Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled Nemesis, where Miss Marple reads a letter addressed to her from an acquaintance she met while on vacation, who was also recently deceased, leaving instruction to investigate a crime. Only problem is he failed to explain who was involved or where and when the crime had been committed. This will be a five-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Mr. Raphael, whom I had met on holiday in the Caribbean, had left me a legacy in his will on the condition that I solved a crime. But there were no clues as to what it was. I was simply booked on a tour of famous houses and gardens. But I soon realized that the mystery concerned Mr. Raphael's son, Michael. From Miss Temple, who was also on the tour, I learned that he had been loved by a girl who had died. At the old manor house, where I stayed as a guest of three strange sisters, I learned from a servant that he had murdered her. And from Professor Wanstead, I discovered that Mr. Raphael wanted to find out whether his son was really guilty of the crime. But Miss Temple, whom I hoped would tell me more, had been seriously hurt in an accident. The Professor had been finding out just how serious her condition was. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's Nemesis. The news isn't very good, I'm afraid, Miss Marple. Miss Temple is still unconscious. She can't be moved for several days. God only knows what's going to happen to the rest of the tour. It's all very distressing, poor Miss Temple. Mm, I've, I've got a car coming round in half an hour. There's a very interesting church at Bulletin, about ten miles away. I, I thought we might take a look at it. It's very kind of you, I'm sure, Professor. After all, there's no reason why we shouldn't explore the local sites. I suppose you're right. It just seems, well, I don't want to say heartless, but you know what I mean. My dear lady, Miss Temple is hardly an old friend of yours, and we are only visiting a church. Oh, you're right, of course. It is very kind of you to think of me. I'm sorry about the amateur dramatics back at the hotel, but one can never be too careful. We are not going to look at a church. No, I thought perhaps we weren't. We're going to the hospital at Caristine. That was where Miss Temple was taken? Yes, I had a call from the hospital authorities. And how is she? Not at all well. She may not recover consciousness again. On the other hand, she has had a few lucid intervals, and in one of them she asked for you. I wonder why. I don't see what use I could be to her. She's a great woman, not only a distinguished headmistress, but an outstanding educator. It will be a tragic loss if she dies as the result of an accident. An accident? Mm, I want to talk to you about that. I have been discussing it with two people who actually saw it happen. Who were they? The two young people, Joanna Crawford and Emlyn Price. And what did they say? Well, there are two paths up to the summit of Bonaventure. 
They were following the higher one, the rough track that winds round the curve of the hill, and as they turned the corner, Joanna said, she saw outlined against the skyline someone trying to roll a big boulder forward. The boulder started to rock and then to move downhill, steadily gaining speed. Miss Temple was walking along the main path below, apart from the others, and had come to a point just underneath when the boulder hit her. Was it a man or a woman they saw? They couldn't say with any certainty. Whoever it was was wearing trousers and had on a lurid coloured pullover in red and black checks. Have you any idea who this person might have been? None whatever. Nor have they. It could have been somebody on the tour. It may be someone who loves violence for the sake of it. Or it might be an enemy. It all sounds terribly melodramatic. Who would want to kill a retired headmistress? It doesn't have to be a personal enemy. Think of all the girls who have passed through the school. You mean that Miss Temple might have discovered something that could be inconvenient or dangerous to some person if it were known? Something of the kind, yes. In that case, it seems indicated that there is someone on our coach tour who recognized Miss Temple but was not remembered or recognized by her. That red and black colored pullover you mentioned. What does it suggest to you? The trailing of flags. Something that will be seen and remembered. Yes. The object of it being that it can easily be thrown onto a rubbish dump and then its wearer will be someone modestly or rather drably attired who will not be suspected or thought of. It has to be meant, that red and black pullover. You suggested that it might be someone on the coach. Is there anyone in particular you have in mind? As far as Miss Temple is concerned, no one. But how could I know? There are two people that I'm rather doubtful about. And who are they? They are a couple calling themselves Miss Barrow and Miss Cook. A little time ago, Miss Cook turned up outside my garden fence in the village where I live. She talked to me about gardening, but it was obvious after a couple of minutes that she didn't know the least thing about it. Mm. What was she up to? She said she was staying with someone in the village. I didn't recognize her when I first saw her on the coach because she had dyed her hair and she seemed to be trying to avoid me. But when I mentioned it to her, she admitted that she was the woman who had come to my garden. It sounds as if she came to take a look at you so that she would know you if she saw you again. Exactly. And I'm not sure whether I like that idea very much. But why should anyone want to spy on you? After all, we are talking about deaths that took place some years ago. Deaths? I thought we were concerned with only one murder. Oh, no. No, there were two girls reported missing. One was the girl we have been talking about, the girl who was last seen in the company of Michael Raphael. And the other? A girl named Nora Broad. A very different kind of person. Rather too free with her favours and possibly with one boyfriend too many. Her body was never found. But um, we shall soon be at the hospital and let me tell you what has been arranged. The doctor does not think it advisable that there should be too many people round Miss Temple if she regains consciousness. One person alone, the person she expects to see, would not alarm her. She looks like a statue, as if she were not unconscious at all. A handsome woman, a woman of personality, one of those rare souls the world can ill afford to lose. Miss Marple. 
Yes, I am here. Miss Marple. You are Jane Marple. Yes, I am Jane Marple. Henry often speaks of you. Henry? The chief commissioner, Henry Clithering. Very old friend of mine. An old friend of mine, too. I remembered your name on the passenger list. You could help. That's what Henry would say. You might be able to find out. If I can help, I will. Which? Which of them? That's what one has got to know. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. A girl who died. Nora Braun. No, no, no. The other girl. Verity Hunt. I did not know her name before. You're an old woman, but you can still find out things, can't you? I've not much time. Find out which. It may be dangerous for you. But you will find out, won't you? With God's help, I will. Verity. Find out about Verity. Verity. Another name for truth. So, did you find out anything? Very little. Only a name. Verity. Was that the name of the girl Michael Raphael is supposed to have killed? Yes, Verity Hunt. You didn't mention the name. I rather think that Mr. Raphael wanted you to find out for yourself. Miss Temple died an hour and a half after my visit. An inquest was to be held the following day, and it was decided that there should be a memorial service for her in the local church on the Thursday. And after that, the tour, or what's left of it, will continue as usual. That was the phrase you used. Mrs. Glynn came to see me. She is one of the three sisters I told you about. She suggested that I should go back to the old manor house for the night. She thought it might be more restful than the Golden Boar after all that has happened. And will you go? Oh, yes. I want to try out my new piece of information. The name of the girl? Yes. I want to let it fall, like a pebble in a pool, and watch the ripples spread from it. I hope you get the results you are anticipating. Verity. What did you say? <coughs> Clotilde. Verity. Verity, did you say? Did you know her? It is Verity Hunt, you mean. A girl's name? Yes, it is rather unusual, I think. Verity. Oh. Oh, I am so sorry. Have I said something I shouldn't? It was only because... No. No, of course not. It, it was just that it's a name we know. A name with which we have associations. It came into my mind because, you know, it was poor Miss Temple who said it. I went to see her in hospital. Professor Wanstead took me. He seemed to think that I might be able to get through to her in some way. She was in a coma, and they thought... Not that I was a friend of hers, but we had chatted together. 
but I'm afraid I was no use. She did say one or two words, but they didn't seem to mean anything. And then, just when it was time for me to leave, she opened her eyes and looked at me and said that word, verity. And it stuck in my mind, but of course, it might just mean truth. That is what verity means, isn't it? It was the Christian name of a girl we knew. That's why it startled us. Especially because of the awful way she died. Oh, Aunt Zia, we don't want to go into all that. But after all, everyone knows what happened. I thought perhaps Mr. Raphael might have mentioned the whole thing to you, Miss Marple. I'm so sorry. I'm afraid I don't quite understand what you're talking about. They found her body in a ditch. Verity was a girl we cared for very much. Her parents were friends of mine. They were killed in a plane crash. She came to live here for a time. She was a pupil at Fallowfield, Miss Temple School. I suppose that's how she happened to come out with her name. Yes, I see. We thought that Verity should stay with us while she made up her mind what to do with her life. She was 18. She thought of training as a nurse, but Miss Temple was very insistent that she should go to university. And she was studying for that when this horrible thing happened. Do you mind if we don't talk about it anymore? Come in. Mrs. Glynn. I thought I'd better come in and explain it all to you a little. Oh, of course, I am sorry that well, you I... you couldn't possibly know that Clotilde was particularly fond of Verity and that her really horrible death came as a frightful shock to her. We never mention Verity if we can help it, but I think it would be easier if I told you the facts completely. Please do. Apparently... Without our knowledge, Verity made friends with an undesirable, oh, a more than undesirable young man who already had a criminal record. He happened to visit us once when he was passing through. I think I'd better tell you the whole truth. He was Mr. Raphael's son, Michael. Oh, dear. I do seem to remember hearing that Mr. Raphael had a son who hadn't turned out very satisfactorily. He'd always given trouble. We were friends of his mother's. It was lucky for her, I think, that she died long before all this. We had, as people in the village will tell you, an outbreak of violent crime at that time. One day, Verity said she was going out to visit a friend, and, well, she... she didn't come back. Oh. The police searched the whole countryside, but they couldn't find any trace of her. Then word began to get around that she'd been seen in a car with Michael Raphael. Six months later, her body was discovered in a ditch 30 miles from here. Clotilde had to go and identify it. And it was Verity? Oh, yes, it was Verity. There were certain marks, a mole and an old scar, and her clothes and the contents of her handbag, of course. It's quite a comfort in a way to think that Miss Temple should have thought of her before she died. Morning. Morning. I wonder if you have any wool that would match this colour. Mm. I'm knitting a little jacket for the daughter of a friend of mine, and I have rather miscalculated, I'm afraid. Oh, yes. I think we might be able to match that for you. Terrible business about that unfortunate woman who was killed on Bonaventure the other day. 
She wasn't the first, and I doubt whether she'll be the last. Same thing happened to old Mrs. Walker three years ago. Never even saw what hit her. Yeah, here we are. That's the colour you want, I oh, think? Oh, yes, that will do perfectly. Mm. And uh, while I'm here, a nephew of mine has asked me to get him a polo net pullover for his birthday. He's very keen on bright colours. He's seen a red and black check one somewhere. I wonder if you have anything like that in stock. Red and black check? Oh, I don't think so. We don't have much call for that sort of thing round here. There's this one. Because it's dull green. You wouldn't settle for that, I suppose. Oh, no, not nearly flashy enough. You know what young people are like nowadays. Do I not? They're given far too much of their own way nowadays. Half of them would be better off behind bars, in my opinion. I believe you've had more than your fair share of unpleasantness in this part of the world. Oh, they got that fellow in the end. Nice-looking boy. He'd been well brought up, you know. But he had a bad record, stealing, forging checks and all that, and two, what do you call them, paternity cases. You know what I mean. He got two girls in the family way. Was the girl he murdered in the family way? Oh, yes, she was. At first, when the body was found, we thought it might be Nora Broad. That's Mrs. Broad's niece down at the mill house. Great one for going out with the boys she was. She'd gone missing from home like the other girl. Nobody knew where she was. So naturally, people thought it would be her. But it wasn't? No. It was the other girl. No. Can't remember what she was called now. Some some Victorian name. She lived with the ladies at the old manor house. Were they relations of hers? I don't think so. The eldest one, Miss Clotilde, took her abroad with her and helped her in her studies. Oh, she was heartbroken when she disappeared. Quite different to Miss Anthea. Miss Anthea is the youngest one, isn't she? Yes. Not all there, some people say. Sometimes you'll see her walking along, talking to herself, you know, and tossing her head in a very funny way. Children get quite frightened of her sometimes. The great-uncle who lived there before, he was a bit peculiar too. Used to practice shooting in the garden. But Miss Clotilde is not peculiar? Oh, no. She's clever. Knows Latin and Greek, I believe. Would have gone to university, but she had to look after her mother, who was an invalid for a very long time. Ah, she was very fond of the girl. Did Miss Clotilde know that she was pregnant? Oh, no, I shouldn't think so. But you knew? Yeah, well, I've had a lot of experience. I can usually tell when a girl's that way. It's not only the shape. You can tell by the look in their eyes and the way they walk and sit. Oh, yes, I says to myself. Here's another of them. And what about Miss Anthea? Oh, there's no knowing what she thought or felt about anything. But funnily enough, I thought she had a funny look on her face, as though she was quite pleased. Farmer Plummer's daughter used to look like that. Always used to go and see the pigs killed. Enjoyed it, by all accounts. Funny things goes on in families. I would like these postcards, please. That is St. Andrew's Church, isn't it? Yes, that's St. Andrew's. Do you want stamps for them as well? Yes, please. One shilling and sixpence, that will be. Oh, there is one other thing. I have done something extremely stupid. I seem to have made so many mistakes of late. There was a parcel addressed to a charity. I sent some clothes, pullovers and children's woolies, and I did it up and wrote the address on it, and it was sent off. And then 
the morning after it came to me that I had put the wrong address on it. I, I don't suppose any record is kept of the addresses of parcels, but I thought someone might just happen to remember it. The address I meant to put was the Dockyard and Thameside Welfare Association. Did you bring it yourself? No, I didn't. I'm staying at the old manor house, and one of them, uh, Mrs. Glynn, I think it was, said she or her sister would post it for me. It was very kind of her. It wasn't Mrs. Glynn who brought it in. It was Miss Anthea. Oh, yes, yes, it probably was. I remember it quite well. In a good-sized dress box and quite heavy, I yes, think. Yes, that would be the one. Just a minute. You're in luck. I did make a note of the address. People are always asking me about suitable charities. But it wasn't the one you mentioned. Not the Dockyard Association. No, that is what I feared. It was the Reverend Matthews, the East Ham Women and Children's Woolen Clothing Appeal. Of course. I see now how I came to make the mistake. At Christmas, I did send things to the East Ham Society in answer to a special appeal for knitted garments, so I must have copied down the wrong address. May I just make a note of it? Would you like a pencil? Very kind. I'm afraid the parcel's gone off. Oh, that doesn't matter. Thank you. I can write to them explaining my mistake and ask them to forward the parcel to the Dockyard Association instead. I'm sure they'll understand. Thank you for all your help. Poor old creature. Doesn't know whether she's coming or going. I wouldn't mind betting that won't be the last mistake she'll make this week. It was something of a long shot, of course, but I was curious to find out what was in the parcel that I had seen Anthea Bradbury Scott carrying while I was talking to Professor Wanstead. But it was time for me to make my way to the curfew arms for the inquest on Elizabeth Temple. I met Joanna Crawford and Emlyn Price going in the same direction. They say we've got to give evidence. I feel rather nervous about it. What will they ask me? I told that police sergeant everything I knew. I thought that would be the end of it. You mustn't worry, my dear. There's nothing very intimidating about a coroner's court. He'll just ask you a few questions and you'll tell him what you saw. You saw it too? Yes, I did. At least, I saw that there was someone there. And you saw the person pushing the boulder? Yes, I suppose I did. The police came and searched our rooms at the hotel, Miss Marple. They asked our permission, but they did have a search warrant. They looked in our luggage too. I think they were checking up on the pullover. But why should they want to do that? If I had a red and black pullover, I'd hardly go to such lengths to draw attention to it. But you are certain that it was red and black? Well, Joanna is. I couldn't see it all that distinctly. And in any case, I have difficulty with colours. Yes, you are a bit colourblind. When I told you I'd lost my red scarf, you bought me a green one you found in the dining room. Well, don't tell everybody about it. I don't like people knowing that I'm colourblind. It might put them off. It doesn't put me off. So, you were not walking with the remainder of the party? No. We had left the main path and gone round the hill higher up the slope. You were walking with a companion? Yes, with Emlyn Price. He is interested in botany and we were looking out for rare flowers. Were you out of sight of the rest of the party? Not all the time. They were walking along the main path, some way below us, that is. And could you see Miss Temple? Yes. 
She was walking ahead of the others, and I think I saw her turn a corner of the path in front of them, after which the contour of the hill hid her. And did you see anyone walking above you on the hillside? Yes, much higher up, where there's a great clump of boulders on the side of the hill. Yes, I know exactly the place you mean. People call them the Grey Weathers. And you say you saw someone up there? Yes. He was standing by one of the boulders. They were so big and so heavy that I would have thought it impossible for anyone to move them. But the one he or she was pushing seemed to be balanced like a rocking stone. You say he or she. At first you said he. Which do you think, Miss Crawford? Well, I suppose I thought it was a man at the time. The person was wearing trousers and a pullover, a sort of man's pullover with a polo neck. And could you see what colour it was? A bright red and black check. And whoever it was had longish hair coming out of a kind of beret, rather like a woman's hair, but it could well have been a man's. Identifying anyone's sex by their hair is certainly no easy matter nowadays. <laughs> what happened next? Well, the stone sort of toppled over the edge and began to gain speed. I shouted to Emlyn, It's going to go right over the hill. Then there was a sort of crash as it fell, and I think I heard a cry from below, but I might have imagined it. We ran round the corner of the hill and saw the boulder below on the path with a body underneath it and people running towards her. Was it Miss Temple who uttered the cry? I think it must have been. And what happened to the person you'd seen above, among the stones? I don't know. I was too busy running down the hill to see if I could do anything. When I did look back, there was no one in sight. Could it have been somebody in your party? No one that I can think of. There's certainly no one who has a pullover like that. Thank you, Miss Crawford. Could we have Mr Emlyn Price, please? Inquest adjourned. I suppose there wasn't any other possible outcome. So what happens now? The police will have to make further inquiries arising out of the evidence given by the young people. One can hardly expect the coroner to give a verdict of accidental death after what they said. No, I suppose not. What's the matter, Miss Marple? Is there something that's worrying you? It is just that when he came to give his evidence, Emlyn Price's story was virtually a replica of Joanna Crawford's. That's hardly surprising. They were together. Yes, but when I met them before the inquest, he didn't seem at all sure. He wasn't positive that he'd seen the boulder being pushed forward, and he couldn't tell the colour of the pullover because he was colour-blind. You mean that when he came to give evidence, he simply went along with her story? Yes, and there is something else. When he first came to the old manor house to tell me what had happened, there was no suggestion in what he said that it was anything other than an accident. Are you implying that Joanna Crawford simply made up the entire story? It seems possible. Unless she... Unless she did it. Surely you're not suggesting that she might have done it herself. What possible motive could she have had? Why should she want to kill Miss Temple? Why should anyone want to kill Miss Temple? Mm, because of something she knew. But if she knew something, why didn't she try to tell me when we were alone in the hospital? I've gone over and over in my mind everything that she said to me. But there's only one phrase that seems significant. In fact, the whole mystery may hinge upon it. And what is that? Which of them, she said. That's what one has got to know. She must have been talking about Nora Broad and Verity Hunt. Which of them? 
If only I could be certain exactly what she meant by that. In part three of Agatha Christie's Nemesis, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Professor Wanstead, David Swift. Miss Temple, Jill Balkan. Lavinia Glynn, Louis Ramsey. Anthea Bradbury Scott, Thelma Barlow. Clotilde Bradbury Scott, Mary Wimbush. Mrs. Mary Pitt, Kathleen Helm. The Postmistress, Patricia Scott. Joanna Crawford, Molly Gaysford. Emlyn Price, Roger Moss. The coroner, Colin Pinney. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Nemesis is dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.